Good evening, good afternoon. I'm delighted to bring our second guest of the year, uh, Neil Edge. He's going to be joining us to share some of his experience of what uh, mental performance and being a triathlon mental performance means. Those of you that uh, have not listened to Neil's uh, brilliant podcast, and I recommend you do that, uh, I'll give you a bit of background to Neil. Neil is a, a triathlon mental performance coach and he's also been an ultra endurance athlete in his time. And playing those sort of sports, he's really learned to understand the benefits of the mind and how psychology can really help uh, sport uh, and improve your performance. And he's has also had some success at triathlon. I'm sure he'll sort of share with some of some of his experiences. But through that sort of practical trial and error, if you like, he's developed strategies and solutions, and he's going to share some of those on on the call uh, of how and and obviously experiences of, of who he's he's helping. So Neil, thanks uh, thanks a lot for joining. Really appreciate uh, your time this evening. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, the way we'd like to sort of structure the session is we're just going to start by understanding what, what is a mental performance coach, what does it mean, and what is mental performance, and in particular around triathlon. We're then going to have a look about um, ways that we can reduce stress as athletes, but also as, in, as individuals. I'm sure there's a broader context there. And ways that we can create sustainable habits, routines to make us mentally tougher. And then really, at the end, how we can bring it all together and really apply it in your training, building up to a race so that when you get on the start line, you've got the best position mentally, physically to, 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 to be primed to perform. So, Neil, before we sort of get into the topic of mental performance, can I just ask you, we, 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 we look at sort of high performance, physical, mental. So if I sort of ask you, what does high performance mean to you? High performance is a great question, actually. High performance to me is optimization. It's looking at our goals, looking where we're heading and what we can do, what we can do to optimize every facet of our training and our life to ensure that we achieve our goals. So that to me is optimization. And there are a multitude of ways that you can do that. You can optimize your life, your training to ensure that you achieve those objectives. The first one is finding the right coach. Obviously, your training has to be optimized. I see a lot of people who, you know, people are using sort of generic programs and things like that. And they're my an old coach of mine called it doing a lot of jump miles. And if you've got six months to prepare for a 70.3 or a full or whatever that may be, I personally it's really important that you you know you work with the right coach to ensure that your training is optimized but then ensure that your mind is optimized and this is obviously something that we're going to get into later about how you can optimize your mind to achieve success and the importance of optimizing your mind so that you achieve that optimizing your sleep to ensure that you're getting not only the right not only the right number, and that number will differentiate between individuals. There's a generic number that people are using between seven to nine hours, but that's a generic number. And obviously we want to try and make it as specific as we possibly can. And I'm happy to explain more about how we, we do that. Um, nutrition hydration is another one. And one that many people don't think about optimizing, and that is ensuring that you have your support structure in place. Having, you know, whether, if you don't have a family, having friends, or having colleagues or having people that you can turn to that when you're struggling when you've had a bad session whatever that may be you know your coach is part of your support structure that you can then talk to and that support structure really is very very important because it's it can be a lonely sport and i've been there myself on you do a three four five hour ride 
you know, and then you're on a lot of times you're training by yourself. That support structure makes a huge difference. So the key for me is optimization. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. I mean, we, we, we've we got a mantra around optimising performance. And I think it is, you know, while we focus on triathlon and we're, we're age groupers or pro- professionals, it is broader than just the training. And I think you've touched on some key areas that I totally support. So for a lot of people listening to this um, this podcast, they probably have never worked with a, a triathlon mental performance coach. They probably don't really understand what it is, how it fits in. Can you just maybe share you know, what you do and, and the sort of people that you're working with? Absolutely. I mean, I work with everybody from first-time athletes all the way through to very experienced pros. And we, th- we think about triathlon. We think about improving our training. So we want to ensure that we can improve our swim, our bike, our run, our transitions, strength and conditioning, mobility, and things like that. But what people don't often realize is the power of the mind is so important. It doesn't matter how well your training's going. If you really and truly don't believe that you're able to achieve that, invariably, in most cases, it really won't happen. So I help people to, athletes come to me that want to overcome certain challenges, of which we'll discuss later, but might be open water swim panic. It might be fear of descending. Uh, There are a multitude of challenges that athletes want to overcome. It might be that they want to improve their ability to become more resilient, to, to overcome setbacks. And I'll talk about my own personal story, if you like, later, as you and I have discussed before. It might be that you simply want to understand what tools that you can use to race faster. There are many. You know, I've been studying the mind now for over nine years, and I read for an hour or two hours every single day, and I study, and I'm continually finding new tools, new strategies that can work with my athletes. So the power of the mind really, really is very important. So I take a complex subject and communicate it in a language which each individual athlete understands to ensure that they overcome those challenges and that they're or they're able to race much much faster and achieve race times that they never believe possible and i can i can tell you many stories about athletes that i've uh, that i've that i've taken through on that process and and no what do you see because i think in in general now there's a lot more of awareness around mental health and well-being in society uh, have you seen that trickled over into triathlon and are you seeing a, an increased demand for your sort of services amongst the amongst individuals it's a funny one now in the uk it's beginning to increase now i'm working with some pros in the uk for example but it's there is still an education process there that education is is you know we seem to be slower on the uptake for example if you if you look at the americans i work with many american athletes who are much more familiar with the idea of going to see a counselor or going to see a psychologist or going to see you know physio or somebody else so it's much more prevalent over there than it is here but i'm seeing more and more people now because as you say we're talking more about mental health now but also what i'm seeing is even more so trickling through from that People are thinking, well, hang on a second. If that's mental health, how about mental performance? You know, rather than preventing those or rather than utilizing tools and various different ways of uh, strategies that we can use to improve our mental health, to prevent disease and, and other elements, what can we do to improve that? You know, what can I do? So, I mean, sports psychology has been around for years and years and years, but it's never really been that prevalent in triathlon in, in this sport. And also, sports psychology is only a very small part of what we do. I'm not a sports psychologist, but what I am is an individual who studied uh, mental performance from a, uh, from a 360 degree approach, looking at the various different tools 
that you can use. And so I think in the UK, now it's moving forward. In the US, it, it really is beginning to, uh, you know, over there, it's even much more so. Yeah, I, to answer your question simply, it's definitely trickling through. Yeah. And can you talk about you know, how you got into doing what you do and why triathlon? Because it's quite still quite a new, quite niche sport, some would argue. Yeah, I mean, I'd never planned to even become, you know, for the first four and a half years, I was a, a mindset coach for entrepreneurs. And the reason I was a mindset coach for entrepreneurs was because I planned to set up three companies myself. And I put all the work in about to launch those companies and for various different reasons, didn't launch them, couldn't work out why but identified the fact that there was something going on inside my own mind and gave myself six months to really understand what that understand what that was and began to look at psychology and look at various different tools to understand, which I now know is imposter syndrome. Began studying, realized then after four and a half years, that then <laughs> continued because I realized after six months, I was only just scratching the surface. Realized then that after six months, I need to, I need to learn more here. There's so much more to learn. And so continued ended up studying for just over four and a half years and realized that you know, now it's time, you know, one, financially, but also two, it's time to uh, to learn how to use, to be able to apply this knowledge. Uh, and it was actually my wife who suggested that why not help other entrepreneurs? Many, many entrepreneurs are experiencing imposter syndrome. You know, for some, it will prevent them from launching those companies. For some, it will prevent them from driving those companies forward in the early stages. You know, one in three companies fail, I think, was one of the statistics that I read many years ago in the first, I think it was in the first three years. Um, so I began working with entrepreneurs. I'd begun, I'd begun training in triathlon myself and was loving the sport with everything about it and realized that triathletes are also experiencing mental challenges. I was myself. I remember the first program that I created was my overcoming fear of descending fast on a bike because I was absolutely petrified of riding downhill fast thinking well hang on if I'm petrified of riding downhill fast and I was a traditional person who gripping the brakes going down at one or two miles per hour down a hill forearms burning like crazy completely tense allowing all those negative thoughts and everything else to come into my mind about that what if scenario what if the back wheel comes out what if I I'm going too fast into a bend and all of the different things the that, that many athletes experience. So that's the first thing I fix myself. Then realize that, hang on, there are many, many other challenges that triathletes are facing here, mental blocks, overcome some panic and so on and so forth. And so I looked at it, took six months out from work to identify the key challenges that we as triathletes face. And that was easy because I was in a you know, fairly large triathlon club. And so I simply asked people what were the main challenges that they were facing and then realized I could create programs that would make this work, that would fix those challenges using cognitive behavioral therapy, using neuro-linguistic programming, using elements of sports psychology, and other tools as well that I've been studying over the years. Tested it on a few guinea pigs. I had friends of mine that were experiencing this. Tested it, realized that the strategies and the tools that I was using were working, and it just flew, absolutely flew from there. And, you know, I've always said that the best marketing tool is a testimonial from an athlete who's actually been there and done it themselves and I was receiving a lot of testimonials and it, and it went from there and grew stronger and stronger when people realized that actually this guy knows what he's talking about but not only that but he can talk about it in a language that we understand because I was a triathlete myself yeah yeah I, I, I think I think having that you've gone through the process you've tried it on yourself that learned experience if you like 
gives you that sort of credibility, but also gives you that empathy. So when someone comes up in front of you and says, look, I'm really struggling with descending down a hill, which is quite quite a common yeah. common thing if you're quite new and you, you've just clipped in for the first time because you've just now got a, a nice drive bike, you, you can actually connect and build that sort of empathy and rapport, can't you? I think that's really powerful. Yeah, it was exactly that. And I was using, you know, not only was I communicating some fairly complex tools, but I was communicating language that they understood. And that you're right, that's the key. You know, there are many, many very good coaches and consultants, but what they often find difficulty is, is communicating that and resonating with their athletes, as you said. And so obviously that's something yeah. that I was, I was able to do. Yeah. So you've built up this, this great knowledge and experience of being a, 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 a triathlete yourself. What, what are sort of the common challenges or mental areas that people come into you with? Is there, you've mentioned the downhill uh, riding fast, but is there a sort of a typical set of common issues and, 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 and problems that people need help with? Yeah, there is for sure. And I've got a list of those on my website, which we'll talk about later. I've created uh, the programs and I've, I've listed those, but the most common program at the moment by by a reasonable amount of distance and it's not first time athletes either this is one thing that might surprise you is preventing open water swim panic it's a huge challenge so many many people you know i've had people athletes come to me that have you know that are racing sort of sub 12 and sub 13 hours at a, at a full still experiencing open water swim panic and the problem with that is that there's a lot of knowledge out there's a lot of people commenting about how to overcome it i'll just keep getting into the water and that'll be fine i see all kinds of things in facebook groups all the time in the ironman facebook groups and other places and occasionally that will work systematic desensitization is the the loose term if you like is the, is, is the process of they're talking about it in a in a very sort of limited fashion it doesn't work in open water it really doesn't so open water swim panic i take athletes through a three core program by the end of that it can be fixed it's as simple as that there's a reason why it's happening and there's a reason and there's a way that we fix it uh, and i've got endless amounts of testimonials of athletes who have all kinds of things have literally swam a full from kayak to kayak all the way through as far as they could go and then after that first 500 meters anyway it will have calmed out autonomic nervous system would have would have reset and they'd feel so much calmer and after that it's fine but so that's a common one yeah the fear of fatty sending is mental overcoming mental blocks often athletes so don't realize that they're experiencing mental blocks but the question i'll often ask is are you struggling to increase to over to to pass through pace power or speed it might be two minutes 15 and two minutes 15 per 100 on a an olympic swim for example a 1500 meter swim or it might be if you're doing a critical swim speed test, or it might be whatever that may be. There's a, often with athletes, there is a certain number. They just can't pass through that, that magical two minutes per hundred over a thousand meters or whatever that may be. In many cases, when you've looked at your swim technique, when you've looked at all of the other variables, the most common route to that is a mental block. And it's simply a mental block is simply a psychological barrier. We can absolutely overcome it. And I've taken athletes through a, a short, I take athletes through a short program again, which will push through that mental block. And you'll be amazed that just how many people all of a sudden are able then to swim at 145 when they're struggling to break two minutes per hundred over a thousand. And so by removing that psychological barrier, we're able to swim faster. At the moment, one of the most common, again, or a very common program that athletes are coming to talk to me about is my Becoming Mentally Tougher program. 
which is a 12-week program, to really understand what mental toughness is and understand the tools and strategies to how to sit in that hurt locker or, as David Goggins described it, for those that are familiar with David Goggins, to become comfortable being uncomfortable. We are able to sit in a place where most of us think we're at our limits. We're not even close. And this is one of my fortes and something that I, before uh, something that happened last year, of which you and I, you and I both know an illness, I was doing a lot of work and you know, for a few years around mental toughness to the extent where I'm able to, you know, we do say 100 hundreds in the pool or 51 hundreds and I'm able to reach a limit where I absolutely think that I can't go any further. Body is screaming, but I'm able to sit there, smile and then accelerate. And that's mental toughness. It's increasing your tolerance to fatigue when I talk about mental toughness in, in one aspect. So yeah, mental toughness, that's a big one. And many athletes are uh, are approaching me on a, on a weekly basis about that program too. And there are others too, but they're, they're, they're the main ones. And can you just, without obviously giving away the crown jewels, because clearly you've got some, some great programs, but can you give some of the listeners just an example? Let's say, you know, I'm struggling with it. You, you, the example, great example you give, the, uh, I'm, I'm in the pool, I've got a mental block, I just can't get my times down, I've, I've done all the work around the technique. So can you share maybe a couple of, what what strategies would you use with that individual? What what sort of things can, what levers can you pull to to overcome that mental that mental block? Yeah, there are many tools that you can use. One of the biggest causes of mental block is a reliance on data. We as athletes love data. You know, you're racing, but all of a sudden, you know, it might be, or it might be, let's, I'll use the, the run as an example, and then we'll go back onto the, uh, we'll go back onto the swim. Um, run as an example, you're running at a certain pace, and it's supposed to be whatever that may be per minutes per mile or kilometers per mile. All of a sudden, you glance down at your watch, and you're running faster. The amygdala, or the tunnel part of our brain responsible for controlling our emotions and a multitude of other elements will you'll all of a sudden you glance down and you'll notice it and try it we've all experienced it all of a sudden you notice thoughts of you've got to slow down you must slow down you're about to blow up or you, you can't continue at this pace and many 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 other thoughts and try it next time you're in that space glance at your watch see a pace faster than you've done before and you'll notice a flood of thoughts that are advice or that, that are signaling to you to slow down because you're about to blow up you know it's ha happens in races all the time as well so that's due to data now so what i'll often ask coaches to program for their athletes is to do sessions every now and again or to cover the data or sessions every now and again without that data do the same session and just see what those numbers are and you'll find that those numbers in many cases will be much higher now, yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've seen that with some of our, our athletes. So, so you know, we typically give our athletes sets that will be, you know, pace, power, but also perceived effort and yeah. heart rate. Yeah. Because, you know, certainly you can do an exercise. I was at the track this morning, for example. The RPE could feel, you know, very different to the pace. So, yeah. actually, I agree that there's a time and a place for data. There's a time and a place for just feel. Uh, and it's it's getting that balance right in training and also more importantly in racing as well. It is, and so in the pool you mentioned in the pool now. What the first thing I'll do is if I'm if I'm doing a critical swim speed or a CS, if many of your, your athletes familiar with critical swim speed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So on a critical swim speed test, um, first thing that I'll do is first thing that I won't do is is to focus on that and think about how much it's going to hurt. That will drop me straight into a negative thought spiral. And when we think something's going to happen, invariably in most cases it will, especially when we're talking about a hard session. 
So I focus on if my ICF critical swim speed tests on the Friday, I don't focus on it until I get in the water on the Friday. The first thing that I'll do then, and the brain is so much more powerful than we realize. So the first thing that I'll do is drop into the pool, some breathing technique, box breathing, for example, is a technique that I use to reset my autonomic nervous system. And for those of your athletes that are not familiar with that, it's a very, very useful tool to be able to, it's a complete mental reset or a very quick mental reset. So whenever we're feeling nervous before a session or whatever that may be, then box breathing, which is simply in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, out for four seconds, and hold for four seconds, repeat for two to three minutes, that will then reset your autonomic nervous system. You feel much calmer and I'm ready for the session then. So I've sat in the pool, sat in my lane. What I then do is I focus on the, the, the time that I want to achieve. So it might be that I want to swim faster than two minutes per hundred, say for example. So I might focus on a particular, I'll focus on a particular pace or a particular time that I want to achieve. And I program that or I think about that, that particular time in my mind. You'll be amazed then that how strong and how powerful the brain is. You focus on that time for two to three minutes. I close my eyes, some nice deep breaths in the pool, ready to go on that 400 or the 200 sets, ready to go, focus on that time. I set my intention for that time. And in most cases, when I swim that set, that, that CSS, I'll achieve the time that I've set in my mind. Now, obviously, that has to be relevant to your, you know, it's no good you're at two minutes and all of a sudden you decide, right, I want to swim at 115 per 100. Obviously, it's not going to happen. But the reality is you'll be amazed at the power. It's like a mini visualization. And visualization is so powerful. And I can and I can tell you a lot of stories about where I've had athletes visualize race times in a full or in, in a 70.3, and they've actually achieved that exact time and how they've done it so i mean there are many many ways of doing it but i'd say consistently or occasionally sorry to remove data from the equation just to allow yourself to run three as you say at a at a at rpe rather than focusing on your data yeah. and then for example if it's in the pool set your intention focus the mind on the time that you want to achieve and your brain will dictate the pace through the signals into the body and it's it really is quite powerful yeah, yeah. So you talked about sort of the breathing, which I, I totally so I'm, I'm a massive fan of of measuring, you know, HRV, sympathetic nervous system, and and you've mentioned visualization. While we're on the pool subject, uh, what's your view, you know, around using music? Because I know if you watch the Olympics, you see them coming out with their big headphones in the pool. Do do you find that music has a, a stimulus on 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 our mental mindset before before a, an event? It's a good question. It's an interesting one. Absolutely. Because what we want to do is, first thing that I would always include is visualizations. That's one thing we touched on. But music, all it is, music is simply a dis, what we call a disassociative strategy. It takes you away, it disassociates from where you are. So it will provide you with another focus, take you into a, a very different place, and that will then prevent your... Uh, your stress levels from increasing, it will lower the heart rate and it will just make you feel so much calmer. So music on the poolside before you enter a race or music, you know, I've used music before now when I've, I've gone out to a race and I've put my earpods in or whatever and given to a partner at the start line helps you to calm down. Music when we're talking about doing a, music when we're talking about swimming, two things that can happen there. If you're doing a nice easy set or if you're doing a long set, maybe you've got, say, you know, a straight four to five K swim or whatever that may be, three K swim, whatever that may be. 
you know that it's not going to be in most cases not going to be too high here it's not too intense so it will not have any impact it's wonderful take your mind off take your mind away from your it's what we call focus distraction so sort of take your mind away uh, and it really really will help an example of that was when i did my one and only 10k swim i did it in a pool and we knew that from the state up from from about 8k onwards that from the first 8k it was going to be fine not an issue at all heart rate was going to stay nice and low and my heart rate was going to stay nice and low anyway because the road was in a good place but we didn't know about the effects on my back my shoulders my neck that last 2k so i decided to use music and focus on other elements made a world of difference i literally finished that last 2k without feeling any fatigue in my, my back or my shoulders or my neck whatsoever now if that had been 3100s i absolutely wouldn't have used music and there's a reason for that and i can explain that if you want me to music to relaxation i, I get what what about i'm thinking more now moving to the bike and sort of indoor training if you're doing that really high intensity session a lot of people will have the rock music on playing it really gives them that that boost what's your what's your view on using music for that really hard indoor training session or if they're out on the track try it and see now there are two types of strategies which we need to to really come into play here in terms of what we want to do the ultimate aim is to lower rpe and increase pace power and speed that's our ultimate goal so there are two ways of looking at it what we want to do is we want to reduce our cognitive load cognitive load is simply your brain's processing power if we increase our cognitive load by you know a lot of athletes will sit on zwift and put on netflix during a hard session and you're focusing on netflix any additional focus other than the actual session you're doing itself will increase your cognitive load your brain's processing power that's like having your laptop putting a thousand fi additional files on your laptop and expecting it to work as quick as it was it's not going to work so with many athletes having for example going to a track and putting music on or having another focus if you're doing 2200s or whatever that may be which are hard off a certain time and putting music on that's increasing the cognitive load which means for many athletes it's increasing your rpe which means it's obviously having a negative effect so what i'd encourage athletes to do in that situation is stop that and focus on being mentally aware focus on being in the present now you can use strategies such as breathing and things like that which have, have been proven through recent studies to have a, a lesser effect if you like on cognitive load even though you're focusing on your breath it's been proven to have a lesser effect and that will help to reduce that rpe but again each athlete is different so for most athletes by looking watching netflix on an ftp test or whatever that may be it will actually have a negative effect but not all i know some athletes that i work with and i i have a a, a very big suite of tools techniques and strategies that i can use but what i do do is i work out which tools and which strategies work for that particular athlete because we're all very different and that's the key so yeah it's finding out what works for you but in most cases if it's going to be a long a long bike if you've got to sit on there for five hours and okay it might it might fatigue your legs but ultimately it's a it's a fairly um, fairly steady state ride not going to affect you too much in terms of your heart rate then absolutely put on music put on you know put on netflix whatever that may be but if you've got to do an ftp test it's 
really important that you try first of all to see whether the whether the associative or disassociative i.e mental awareness associative or disassociative like cognitive distractions and things like that work out which works for you yeah. bit of a long answer but it's uh, it's it's an important one no that, that, that's really interesting because I've, I've always had this view that you know uh, some people and I, I do it myself I, I train do the hard sessions i put the music on but we can never race with music certainly yeah. not in triathlon conditioning our minds i think you said earlier about the being comfortable being uncomfortable getting comfortable being uncomfortable we should be doing that in training and yeah. and you know a lot of uh, the way that i coach you know you'll train really really hard so you can race race easy um, and that, you know, if you've gone to that hurt locker many, many places before in training, when it pops up on race day, you've you, you've done it. You can manage it, and then you can use some some techniques and strategies to to get over it. What you see, many athletes don't, and that's a, that's a thing. You know, when we talk about mental toughness, and I, I might be uh, sort of preempting this, but when we talk about mental toughness, many athletes we do hard sessions in training, but for many athletes, not you know. It's very rare that we're really, really on, really, really close to our own perceived limits, and those limits exist in our own mind. So it's really very rare. What I'd always encourage athletes to do is to take that even further. I always encourage athletes to do a session which is maybe an overgearing set, or just something which is going to. You know, it might be that you're used to. If you were doing twenty one hundreds in the pool, you might be doing them off, say, two two minutes or one forty five or two fifteen that little bit faster to really cause that voluntary amounts of stress and then having tools and strategies to implement which you're able to, so that you're able to become comfortable being there. Because most of us as triathletes, we or I was, uh, we do sessions which are very, very hard, but it's not what I would term as stress inoculation. So there's really, really hard sessions such as a, a 30, 50, 100s in the put or 30, 50, 100s in a pool or 100, 100s or whatever that may be. So I'd encourage coaches and I don't encourage coaches to do it very often, but once a month, I'd encourage them to put in that session, which is really going to take that athlete outside of that comfort zone. Because ultimately in race day, you're really going to be there and you want to have your tools and strategies in place on race day so that when that hits on race day, when you get into that hurt locker, you feel much more comfortable. And there are many, many tools that we can use to uh, use to do that. And, a, and, a, and the simplest one is cold shower. Now, into yeah. a cold shower, because all, what we're looking to do, when we talk about stress inoculation, which, as I said before, is a you know, 5100 in the pool or whatever it may be, every now and again, um, what we're looking to do is to create stress. We're looking to stress our autonomic nervous system so if you're looking at a rev counter, as I often use, is to fire it straight over towards a sympathetic side, which is fight, flight, or freeze, which a cold shower will do, just as a, you know, specifically a, uh, you know, a really hard session will do. It'll put you into that hurt locker and then looking at tools and strategies of which to balance that again. Uh, so that's the, that's the key. You know, we never try new nutrition on race day. We never try new things on race day. It's always planned. Yeah, it's very, very rare that athletes put themselves in a deep hurt locker before a race. Now we need to prepare for that as well. And there's lots of things that we can do that I've, you know, the lots of tools that we can use so that when we get into that horrible place, we actually race faster, not harder. Because what we do is we pay attention 
just that negative thought spiral. You're going to blow up. This is hurting. Yeah. Your, your legs are done. You're finished. You must slow down or else you're going to blow up. And unless you know how to get out of that negative thought spiral, it generally doesn't get any easier. And in many cases, athletes will back off. Now, what I encourage my athletes to do on my mental toughness program is, well, what I teach them to do or educate them to do is to be able to sit there, get comfortable, get happy, and then increase the pace, power, and speed. And that's what we do. And that's one of my uh, one of my fortes of my own training, if you like. How much do you think of that mental toughness is it's hereditary, it's built in, it, it's, you know, and, and how much of that do you think you can actually train and develop? Many athletes or many people are, you know, what they wouldn't perceive to be lucky, but in actual fact they are, that we've experienced, we've experienced many setbacks and challenges in their early life and, you know, brought up in a tough environment and things like that. That is, it's, you know, they, it really has helped them stepping forward into the future, but it can absolutely be trained. For sure it can. You know, I've taken athletes again, you know, athlete, many athletes I've worked with who just really, really struggled on, on race day. As soon as they notice that negative thought spiral, they almost give up. That's it. I'm done. You know, if that's what my my thoughts are saying, I, you know, I can't walk any faster. I can't run any faster. And I've taken them through to increase their race times by significant amounts. We can push through those limits, whether we choose not to, whether we choose to is a different story altogether. So your athletes can but they're choosing not to. Yeah. And what yeah. I believe is the key and what I do with my athletes is teach them the tools, the techniques to create those new beliefs, to be able to sit in that comfort, to be able to sit in that hurt locker and to be able to really move forward, to break those limits, to set new limits. Those limits are created here and they can be absolutely, they can absolutely be switched. And so it's a, it's a really interesting subject, but there are many, many, many tools that athletes can use to increase that fatigue tolerance. It's not pretty, it does hurt. I always insist on a dis discovery call with all of the athletes who take this program because there are going to be sessions in there and you know the occasional sessions, not too many. Stress inoculation is only a small part, but there are some one or two sessions in there which really do, which really will test you, but you'll have the tools to back it up and that's the key. So, and it's, you know, as you said, when you've taken them as far as they can physically but it's still not quite happening the rest happens up here yeah yeah and i would imagine a lot of these rituals routines they're not just applicable for triathlon you know how we manage stress in the autonomic nervous system it's a it's a life skill isn't it so things that we can apply to any situation whether it's family work triathlon it is a very transferable skill set mental toughness it is, and I've just had an athlete who's put a, a comment in my Facebook group that I've just taken through. He's just finished a, the the 12th call, and he said for him, and they were his words, not mine. He said it's it was life changing, not just did you know, it wasn't a, a pure reflection on my training, but it affected all aspects of life. Absolutely, yeah. you know, his he was struggling with sort of motivation. He was struggling with many many different things, and we took that, took him through the tools, took him through those processes educated him about discipline over motivation and this is something that i hear athletes talking about a lot i'm not motivated to do that session i'm just struggling with my motivation at the moment and yes motivation can help a little but what helps me get me through the door each day to ensure that i tick off every box to ensure that training peaks stays green is discipline and yeah. that's that's the key so discipline there are tools and techniques that we can use to improve our discipline 
to ensure that those sessions get done. And I'll often hear athletes say things like, well, you know, I, I did it. I didn't do everything that I was supposed to do. I didn't, but I 50% and 50% is, is better than nothing. So it's fine. That's justification, justification in your own mind. Yes, if you're unwell, that's justified for sure. And maybe, you know, maybe not doing a session completely. However, for most people, it's not at all. I'll always say 50% of something is not better than 100% of nothing when 100% is possible. So it's removing that excuse that, oh, well, because you can convince yourself of anything if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Now, Neil, you've spoken about um, a number of programs you've been developing. For the, for the listeners, can you maybe just sort of just run through what those are, the, the sort of products that you've been been working on over, over, the, over the years? Yeah, popular one at the moment as, as well as what, apart from the ones that I've mentioned about mental toughness, about um, preventing panic in open water, um, fear of descending, a popular one is four weeks to race day. So what I do is I take athletes um, just before normally we'll have calls to discuss their race and, and to discuss a plan. And then I ensure that they arrive at race day feeling calm, feeling ra- relaxed, feeling focused with not only a mental race plan in place for race day, but also a plan that plan encompasses every possible eventuality. So it covers emotional control when you have a flat, when you have your chain comes off or whatever that may be. So we'll have a complete mental plan in place to ensure that they achieve their objectives on race day. You know what it's like, taper week causes major issues for many people. You know, taper week over a couple of weeks on a full, it really does impact many people. So what I'll do is I'll ensure that they arrive feeling calm and feeling relaxed. And it's not just about those four one-hour calls. With all of my programs, I provide athletes with complete support. So they've got my number. We use WhatsApp or email or whatever that may be. Because with all of the programs, there are external external factors that can have an, an impact. It might be that you're just having one of those terrible days at work. That's increased your stress levels, which will invariably, for many, have a knock-on in training. So by me being there, you know, what can I do with this? I've just had a really bad argument with a colleague. How can I reframe that? What can I do to get me back on track before this session? Now, if you're never experienced a mental performance coach, you're a, a committed age group, uh, what would be the top three pieces of advice that you would say to them, things that they could practically apply, apply from, from tomorrow? Absolutely. So first thing is, don't underestimate the power of your support structure. It's difficult to do this alone. It really is. That support structure, it includes your coach. It could be your husband, your wife, your friends, whoever that may be. Many athletes will try and do this alone. Their plan, you know, their focus is, well, it's, it's, a, it's a sport where we spend a lot of time alone on the trainer in the garage or whatever that may be. Don't underestimate the power support structure. That really can help. Just talking to somebody about the day that you've had, just talking to somebody about your, you know, the stress or a particular training session or whatever that may be, don't underestimate it. It really is very, very important. Focus on one element each week that you can use to reduce your stress levels. Stress absolutely has a negative impact on our training, on our racing it triggers that negative thought spiral. We start then to look at training, you know, we start looking at training peaks two or three days in advance, four days in advance, whatever that may be. There's an FTP session in there on Zwift. All of a sudden we start thinking, oh geez, this is going and so on and so forth. What we want to do is we want to, what we can do to reduce those stress levels. It might be meditation, it might be box breathing, and there are many, many ways that you can do that. 
Thirdly, I'd encourage, and I have a couple more actually, but I'd encourage all athletes to meditate. It's so important. There have been, it's the most researched tool that we have access to um, in terms of mental performance. To there's And there are a multitude of benefits to improve your focus, to reduce stress and so on and so forth. I use a, a completely free app called Insight Timer, which I use to meditate every day. Now, the biggest challenge for meditation is that many athletes will say is, I can't meditate because I can't stop my thoughts. It just doesn't seem to work. The reality is nobody can stop their thoughts. But what we can do is choose what we focus on. So when you're sitting there for 10 minutes, and I, I don't recommend any more than 10 minutes, 10 minutes per day in the morning before you start your, as soon as you wake up, which will set you off on the right path. Listen to meditation, find one you like with the music that resonates with you, the tone of voice that resonates with you. As soon as those thoughts start to wander, stop. It's called a stop and refocus technique. So stop and immediately focus back on the meditation again. Keep doing that it really will help to ensure that you start the day the right way. And the other one that I, that I mentioned, and that five minutes post-training to reflect. So pre-training, you know what it's like. You've got a really tough session today. You might have to go to a pool and do some crazy session in the pool. You think, damn it, this is going to be horrible. I'm absolutely dreading it. I don't want to be there. Now, what it's important to remember is thoughts dictate actions. Actions dictate reality. So if you're thinking negatively, it doesn't matter how conscious you are to ensure that you hit those numbers. Those thoughts will affect your actions. Your actions mean that you might be one, two, three, four, five, ten seconds off the pace. Actions dictate reality. The reality is that you swim slower than you should do. So by putting in place a very simple pre-training routine, Set your intention. So, right, I'm sitting there for, for five, ten minutes. Right, this is what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on ensuring that my technique is great or whatever the intention is that you've agreed with your coach. Two to three minutes of box breathing. Four seconds in, as I described before, and you're ready to go. But that simple sort of few minutes before the session and then five minutes to as what I call post-training reflection. How many times, and I, and I can ask you the same thing, and this will resonate, is... You just had a session, you think that was terrible. I didn't hit all my numbers. I feel really, really, really bad. Your brain goes and your mind goes into that negative thought spiral. Then it affects the rest of your day. You have a fight with your wife because now you're angry because of training session. You have a fight with your wife. You end up sleeping on the sofa. And then it just goes horribly wrong. Five minutes to park it to think about the session. This is what I did right. This is what I could have improved. And off I go. No training session that I do will ever have any longer of an impact than five minutes. So it's important those post-training, uh, those post-training reflection, that little, little short five minutes will really make a huge difference. Thank you very much for your, for your time and for sharing your sort of knowledge and experience. Where where can we find more information? Can, have you, can you share some information on, on on where people can go for more information of about you and programs? Yeah, of course we can. There's three three um, elements really. The first one is I have a Facebook group called Triathlon Mindset. And there is one, just over 1,600 uh, fellow triathletes in there that I post weekly mental tools and strategies. It's a great group. Lots of information I've posted over the last couple of years. Totally safe, totally secure. That's a great place for you to uh, to join. And you'll, you'll read through endless posts that I've written about all kinds of topics. Um, the other one is me on Instagram, which is triathlon underscore mental underscore performance so triathlon underscore mental underscore performance and i write posts there 
on a weekly basis. And the final one is my website, which is my name. So it's Neil Edge. If you if you pull down the show notes, that would be great. So, but it's N-E-I-L-E-D-G-E dot com. And whilst you're there, I've pre- I've put in there a document which is 20 essential mindset tools and strategies for triathletes. So you can download that free if you like as well. But that's that's neiledge.com and my podcast is on there as well. That's brilliant. Great. Thanks a lot for your, your time, Neil. Great to see you. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully be putting some of those things into, into practice to, to get ready for, for race day and nailing it. My pleasure. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the invite.